As Jim Beheim said, college basketball is in an awful place. Let's break it down. We've got a lot to talk about. We'll talk about Beheim's comments. We'll talk about the backtracking from Beheim's comments. And then we'll take a look across college basketball to see how former Syracuse transfers are faring at their new homes. It's Locked On Syracuse Tuesday, and it starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Good morning. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get you started. What's going on? Owen Valentine here talking about Jim Beheim. Part two, right? We talked a little bit about it to open up the episode yesterday, uh, more in the regards of he's going to be back in theory for year 48 next season. He's going to see what happens with these guys uh, as they progress and this young core continues on into their sophomore year. Uh, But today we're going to take a look at sort of the other side of that conversation, the other side of those comments, because there was a lot more in that Pete Thamel article from ESPN discussing the current state of college basketball. And to break it down and give the big quotes, I guess, to start, uh, Jim said it's an awful place we're in in college basketball. Pittsburgh bought a team. And then he goes, okay, fine. My big donor talks about it, but he doesn't give any money, nothing, not one guy. Our guys make like $20,000. Wake Forest bought a team. Miami bought a team. It's like, really? This is where we are? That's where we are? It's only going to get worse. And then he added... It's crazy. That's why those guys got out. That's why Jay Wright got out. That's why Mike Krzyzewski got out. That's the reason they got out. The transfer portal and everything is nuts. It really is. So a lot to break down there. And before we start to break it down, so that was uh, Sunday night and Sunday's news, uh, a little bit of yesterday. And then today I'm talking about this for tomorrow's episode. This is currently Monday. Beheim released a statement earlier today, uh, sort of clarifying, I guess, and taking back those comments saying, I would like to clarify remarks I made in a conversation I had with a media member following our game on Saturday evening. I apologize to the schools I mentioned. I believe the ACC member institutions are in compliance with NCAA rules governing name, image, and likeness. It was not my intention to imply otherwise. Well, I'm going to start there, Jim. You more than implied otherwise with those comments to Pete Thamel, right? You came out and said it. Pitt bought a team. Wake bought a team. Miami bought a team. And now you're going to backtrack and say, I didn't mean that. They didn't actually do that. Everything was clear, wonderful, beautiful, dandy. I don't really think that's how this is going to work. And it's, it's a weird situation right now. And from what I've seen in terms of reports, there have been, you know, messages or phone calls from Bayheim reaching out to the schools named apologizing for comments made, clarifying comments to those schools. It's a weird situation. And it's it's not what I think anyone wants the storyline to be with Syracuse basketball right now. And it's a weird thing at this point in time that we're now, over the past two weeks, 
breaking down the third incident that is making national headlines, right? It starts with uh, the storming out of the press conference after a reporter question. And then the next uh, week, same thing happens, right? You, you've got a question, a reasonable question with regards to where Benny Williams was, get a lot of uh, backlash from Bayheim, and, you know, having the reporter question his attitude uh, for asking the question and the way the question was asked. And now this, right? You've got more comments making national headlines out of Jim Bayheim At some point, and I, I mean this with the utmost respect, Somebody within SU basketball's got to tell him to watch his mouth. Got to tell him to to be a little bit cautious. And I know Jim has never beat around the bush of anything. He will tell it like it is. He will speak with the utmost honesty. Uh, and uh, as we see here, to a fault at times. But there's got to be some sort of step in, some sort of step back, where where Jim starts to just sort of I don't know, bite your lips sometimes, bite your tongue. Uh, don't speak every time oh, an idea comes to your head. Uh, this is what I say to kids in the classroom, right? Just because you're thinking something does not mean you need to share it with the entire group. And that could be the case for Jim Beheim every once in a while. Let some people talk. If you disagree with them, at this point in time, man, you, you just got to do it in a, in a better way and a more reasonable way. But this is interesting. And the comments that he made are there the active state of college basketball right now, right? NIL is turning recruitment and is turning uh, the transfer portal into a bidding war in many situations. And I, I think it's weird to say that Pitt and Wake are in that boat. Yes, they attacked the transfer portal. They brought in some quality players, but they're not bringing in the highest level of talent to the point where you're really in these crazy, crazy bidding wars. Miami, on the other hand, it's a little bit more public, uh, you know, some some prices and some some money going to players for transferring. But that's not really the case for everyone. And so the, the comments just seem a little out of pocket, a little unnecessary because of the situation. And I think that's sort of what was in Bayheim's ear. And then he issues the clarification at that point in time. But that is the reality of college basketball. Like, are we are we going to dance around the fact that Adam Weitzman, in theory, is paying Elijah Moore a million dollars over three years to come play basketball at Syracuse. You know, you can phrase it however you want. He is a sponsor or a, he is a spokesman now for Weitzman's companies, but he is getting paid by Adam Weitzman to come work in central New York and play basketball, right? You don't get to make statements like that when that is what happened and what is actively happening in central New York, right? You said in this quote, my big donor talks about it, but he doesn't give anyone any money. It's public conversation. It's one of the most frequent questions asked of recruits in Syracuse or with Syracuse in their conversations is, has Weitzman offered you the million dollars? Right? Weitzman is offering a million dollars, and you're going to say, yes, I guess you're technically not lying because the active players on the roster aren't bringing in a million dollars. They're bringing in 20 grand. But still, I mean, that's just, it seems like you're denying what is happening in Syracuse at this point in time, even though it is a class of 24 guy, right? There's theories that, you know, Marcus Adams could be in a similar boat in the class of 23 in terms of getting some financial incentives from Adam Weitzman, uh, you know, playing in central New York and that offer uh, to to be, you know, that same thing, right? Whether it's a spokesman or an employee of the company, however it's phrased legally, 
Uh, right, you're you're bringing guys in from Weitzman's money to play basketball at Syracuse when all is said and done, or guys are playing basketball at Syracuse and just so happen to be getting this Weitzman deal afterwards. Right, that is what's happening. So I find it very very disconnected uh, to make a statement like that, to call out Pitt, to call out Wake, to call out Miami. And then backtrack and say, never mind, everyone's doing everything incredibly legally. Everyone's following the rules. The ACC is a wonderful organization. It's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting backtrack. And it is another interesting facet to what is happening with Jim Beheim in this year 47 right now and this incredibly extended career. I don't want to say it's time, right? I gave that rationale yesterday. I'm here to give him another year before I'm on the get rid of him now train. I don't know what the answer is, but I'll tell you something that could help is I don't want to say censorship, but just right answer questions about basketball. If someone asks a question you don't like, give a brief answer and move on. It's it's little things like that. It's like I feel like right, you give these players media training, right? Players don't like to give out information. Players are pretty good in terms of answering questions with a little bit of honesty, with a little bit of character, but not diving too deep into info that shouldn't be shared, right? Beheim, it might be time for uh, a little, uh, I don't know, uh, media training boot camp, a little media training refresher for the guy, just to see sort of what happens, because uh, this is not the headlines that you want to continue to make national news for, uh, and that has been the reality of the last month in terms of why Syracuse basketball is in the national spotlight. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we will uh, talk about transfers on the other side here. Our first one today, let's hear from them. It is Built Bar. We've been hearing from them all week, and it's because they're an absolutely delicious treat without the fear of fat and calories. You got to buy a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right, real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros and what's even better is that they're healthy only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein you don't have to wait around anymore to get a box for years we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. Or if you're close to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. And I'll tell you what, you can come thank me later. All right. Let's talk Syracuse transfers. We have talked about Jim Beheim. We've talked about the Beheim comments that have Syracuse in the national spotlight for the wrong reasons, probably. Uh, but something talked about in there and, and sort of the closing remark um, from why, you know, Jay Wright gets out of college basketball and Mike Krzyzewski gets out of college basketball. The closing comment is the transfer portal and everything is nuts. And this is something that we do every once in a while. And I know Bones put up a thread on Twitter about a month or two ago at this point in time. And it's something interesting because the, the what ifs are, are intriguing. And we talked about it a little bit last week with regards to the hypothetical of if Quincy Garia was still, you know, playing for Syracuse. And I think Kadari was also in the mix in that question as well. So let's take a look around the country 
Let's take a look at the former Syracuse guys that have transferred out of the program and see how they are doing uh, in this season, right? Are they doing better? Are they doing worse? Is it not much of a difference? And then maybe a little bit with some of these guys, the theoretical impact that they could have had on this active team. Feels right. We talked about him a little bit last week, so we'll bring him up to lead things off. Quincy Garrier, where is he now? He is in Oregon. The Ducks are 14-10 and 10 at this point in time, uh, and this is year two uh, with Quincy being there. He's averaging just under 10 points a game, 4.4 rebounds per game, and uh, 26 and a half minutes so far uh, per game this season. This is a guy, and I, and I think him and Kadari are the two that you really do want back if you're Syracuse. Uh, it just seemed like a very linear transfer and that you're not getting anywhere that's incredibly better. And when you look at the situation he's in, you look at the minutes he was playing, it seems like a similar spot as well. Uh, right, The last year that, that Quincy played for Syracuse, he put up 13.7, which is four more points per game than he is currently averaging, 8.4 rebounds a game, which is four more rebounds than he is currently averaging, and he played 32.9 minutes per game which is about six more minutes per game than he's actively playing in Oregon. This is one that you feel like maybe this wasn't quite the right decision. And maybe it was for him. Maybe there are some reasons that work out. Uh, but he is definitely, in terms of pure numbers, declined, right? I mean, he's down four points a game. He's down almost 30% in terms of scoring. He's down about 50% in terms of rebounding. And he's down like 10 or 15% in terms of minutes played. Uh, from the 2020 to 2021 season when he was last in Orange to this year uh, where he's in Oregon for year two, right? The, the numbers are down, and you wonder what things would have been like uh, if he stayed at Syracuse. And I think that brings up an interesting conversation, right? How many forwards would have committed to come to Syracuse out of this freshman class, uh, given the situation, right? Are you bringing in Bell, Taylor, and Brown at this point in time if you do have a veteran Quincy Garrier? I don't know. Um, but I think a lot of people want him back, rightfully so, uh, because of the year he's having. And then as of late, in terms of Oregon, he's he's struggled a little bit. He's only scored double figures once in his last nine games, and he has no double-doubles this season. Uh, and if you remember, I believe he had five or six uh, the last game or the last year he was playing with Syracuse. So this is definitely a drop-off uh, and one that I think Syracuse wants back. And and maybe even Quincy would want to want to try that out a little bit more because I think last year's team definitely would have benefited from from having him and the ability to rebound and you know to play a little bit of solid defense and get out and do things like that uh, would have been a massive massive addition to last year's team and then this year with that experience and hopefully have built uh, in Syracuse off of the 21 season that he had uh, that would be really fun. Player number two on this list, Kadari Richmond. This is the other one that people really would have wanted to sort of see what would have happened if he played things out. And I think it's rightfully so. Um, you think back to his time at Syracuse, 6.3 points per game, 3.1 assists a game, uh, and about 20-plus minutes per game. He was playing just about half uh, of every game at that point in time. He's with Seton Hall right now. They're 15-9 and nine on the year. Uh, his minutes are up. He's playing 27.3 minutes a game. Uh, the steals are what they were, right? He averaged uh, – over one and a half with Syracuse, averaging a little bit more uh, at Seton Hall, but still just a defensive guy that I think a lot of people would love to have at the top of the zone and um, would have loved to see a little bit more of at the top of the zone just because of the havoc he wreaked defensively. Uh, he's playing really well as of late of well, uh, as well. He scored double figures in his last five 
with two double doubles with uh I think he had 10 rebounds and 11 rebounds in those two double doubles. He's playing good basketball right now. And this is one where I, I think it would be cool to have him in this mix. And, and maybe with him in this mix, you don't have Simeon Torrance in reality. Um, but I think that is a trade a lot of people would be willing to take. And that's not a knock on Simeon, I don't think, but uh, more of a nod to what a lot of people thought, and probably rightfully so, Kadari Richmond could have provided, given a little more time and and a little bit more uh, in terms of this team. Uh, player number three that has transferred out of Syracuse, Frank Anselm, who finds himself in Georgia. They are 14-9 and nine as well. You'll find that's going to be like a really frequent answer. Is no one's on a team right now that's dominating, and everyone's sort of at that 14-10, and 15-9 sort of area. Uh, so same with Georgia and Frank Anselm. This is one where, you know, this wasn't a guy that was doing incredible things at Syracuse, um, but the recent memory sort of lingers in terms of uh, with an injured Jesse, he put up uh, nine points, 15 boards against Florida State in the ACC tournament. So there was that that opportunity like, okay, here's what might happen if you see him play extended minutes and things go all right. You got that sort of glimpse. Uh, and maybe for Frank, that was the all right, I, I've shown my my flash in the pan here. People can see that. Let me try and capitalize, get to a location where I'm playing a little bit more. He is playing a bit more, uh, 16.6 minutes per game at this point in time. So he's uh, almost tripled the minutes he's playing. He's averaging three and change per game and then three and a half rebounds per game. This isn't a guy that left and is now having an incredible career or in, uh, an extremely successful career at this point in time. Uh, but it is a guy that is left, so he will make the list. We have four more. Uh, we'll start with, I mean, one of my personal favorite players at Syracuse, uh, who I was heartbroken to see leave, and Bones talked about, like, you know, he was fun to watch and could provide a little spark off the bench as a three-point shooter and, uh, you know, a, a big situation guy to come in and, and try and hit a big shot. Didn't necessarily work out at Syracuse. You know, he battled some injury things, and I believe he is injured right now. I'm, I'm, I tried my best before hopping on today to figure out his current situation in terms of injury. Uh, and I, I didn't find anything on Twitter. I didn't find anything uh, on the internet in terms of just a, a Google search for Robert Braswell. Um, but he's played 10 games and he hasn't played since December 22nd. So I'm assuming there's some injury there because he was playing uh, leading up to that a little bit. Uh, but was struggling this season. And it, it seemed like this is year two for Braswell and Charlotte. Um, last year, was he was solid, right? A really good jump for him, uh, averaging over eight points a game, shot 40% from three, uh, playing about half of every game. That was definitely elevated from his time at Syracuse, right? He was shooting just about 30% from three in orange, uh, maybe averaging three to four a game. This season uh, took a step back in the 10 games that he played. Averaging under five per game, shooting 19% from three, which for a guy like Braswell, who, you know, you, you put in as a, as a spot up shooter and a guy that can come in and, and shoot threes. And that's what his goal is and what you look for him to do in an offense to be shooting sub 20 from three is going to not cut it by any means. Uh, and he has not played in, in over a month at this point in time. So hopefully, you know, he can come back and, and do something, but that was not really. Uh, a transfer that this season looked all too good. But last year, it uh, seemed like it was a decent transfer for him. And he made a good decision and, and found himself in a situation 
where things were a little bit more favorable for him. We got three more to talk about, but before we do that, let's hear from our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to whoever you think will score a touchdown. One do I like here. Let's think. I've got this one in my mix. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. I think it was about plus 130 maybe. But I, I just feel like a Miles Sanders anytime for the Eagles would be a fun bet. Uh, to mess around with. He's a guy that I, I feel like keeps getting the ball in the red zone and has made the most of it. And he seems like he's he's playing solid football right now and making the most of his opportunity. So a Miles Sanders anytime touchdown sounds kind of fun. FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid for your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, we'll continue with our transfer talk. We've got three more transfers who have left the Syracuse program at this point in time. One of them a little bit more notable than the other two, uh, and we'll lead off with that. That's Jalen Carey. Uh, this is a guy that you know, it was a, a highly touted recruit. You, you thought he was going to be a, a big-time contributor, a big-time player. Not necessarily the case in Orange, right? Three points per game, 1.6 rebounds per game, played about 10 to 15 minutes a game. Uh, and it, it actually has been, you know, quite some time since he's played, right? 2019 was, was the last year he played for Syracuse. Uh, he, he's doing decent at Rhode Island at this point in time. Rhode Island's 8-14 and 14 on the year. But Carey's playing, what is it, about 30 minutes a game almost, nine points per game he's been scoring, five rebounds per game. Uh, he's playing pretty good. And it's his, it's his third year at Rhode Island, so you could argue that he probably would have progressed or could have, in theory, progressed similarly at Syracuse. Um, but he left, and you know his first year or two weren't incredible by any means at Rhode Island, but you know, good for him to, to find a spot and find some success as of late in terms of where he's at now and almost scoring double figures on average. Uh, so, so good for him at this point in time. Two to go in terms of our transfer talk. Next, we go to Fairfield, and that is not the first location for this man. It's Bryson Goodine, who is currently playing for Fairfield, uh, who is now 10-13 and 13 on the season. Uh, he left for Providence initially, did two years over there and is currently at Fairfield. He is hurt at the moment. Uh, I don't know the exact injury, but he played four games uh, and his out since then. Uh, was playing about 16 minutes a game and scoring seven points a game in that stint. Uh, but this is a guy that I think a lot of people had higher expectations for in Central New York when he was here, right? Top 100 recruit type guy. And things never really worked out, right? He played about nine minutes a game, scored less than two per game on average. Uh, people had high hopes, wanted to see success for him. 
didn't ever really pan out. And I don't think it's really panned out all too much since then. Uh, so I don't, I don't know right, what the difference would have been if, if Bryson stayed, given the fact that he leaves and is in a new location. And that doesn't seem to be the difference for him at this point in time. So maybe this is something that, that probably would have happened either way in all likelihood. But uh, this just is, right, I feel like Syracuse, in terms of recruiting, brings in top 100 guys that don't end up working. Uh, you, you think of Kerry, you think of Goodine, you think of Matthew Moyer in that mix, you think of Coleman in that mix, right? There, there's guys that were supposed to be the guy uh, in the top 100, big-time recruits uh, that have fallen through. Can I say it? Is it too soon? Is it mean to say Benny Williams could be in that mix as well, right? This is a, a list of guys that were highly anticipated and, and highly rated recruits that have unfortunately fallen through for the orange last one in terms of the transfers woody newton oklahoma state they're 14 and 9 um he's not doing anything crazy just about five points per game uh he's playing 16 ish minutes per game it is funny to see woody as like a 6-9 guard uh at, at at oklahoma state it doesn't necessarily make sense uh it would have been cool to have length like this uh for syracuse but I, I don't really know what difference he's necessarily making. There was a spot early on when he was here, uh, I think it was early 2020, when I, you thought he could have been a big contributor. I think he scored nine maybe in three or four games in a stretch early on, and the fourth game might have been like six points, if I remember from uh, looking that up a little while ago. It was – it's a guy that you you know could have had that, and you thought maybe early on, okay, look at this, he's you know he's putting up right six to nine points a game. You'll take that out of a role player without a doubt, and it just never really developed into much. And he ended up averaging you know under four points per game for Syracuse, and you know was doing a little bit better at Oklahoma State two years out of the Orange, uh, two years out of the program, but not really anything too catastrophic. So to summarize. Right. It's frustrating to see guys go. Uh, there's a couple people that maybe you'd want back and you think could be big time contributors for this team. Guys that come to mind. Right. Quincy, obviously, I think would have been a big help, especially last year. Uh, but he hasn't really done much in terms of this transfer to Oregon in terms of improving. The numbers are down. Uh, he still is, you know, doing pretty much the same thing he was. Right. It's not a transfer that I think anyone expected him to to shoot up catastrophically from, uh, or not catastrophically, to you know exponentially improve as a result of that transfer. And then the other one's going to be Kadari, right? I think a lot of people wanted things to work out, and you can blame Jim for that. You can say what you want about you know how he was in the doghouse or whatever you want to say. Uh, but that that Kadari is a guy that I think this team definitely benefits from having back. Uh, but the other five: Anselm, Braswell, Carey, Goodine, Newton. What kind of difference makers are they truly for this team? You let me know. If you want to reply, feel free. Comment if you want to do that. Reach out to us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse if you're interested in contacting us that way. Uh, if you're listening, you like what you hear, feel free to like and subscribe. Uh, there's going to be a button somewhere on the screen if you are listening to me on YouTube. If you're listening to me on the wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you will not see a floating button. 
at that point in time. But that's all I got for you today. Thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Syracuse or Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Hear from big name experts, hear from coaches, hear from players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Owen Valentine. We got a game preview tomorrow, and I will see you then.